This morning we continue our worship with the Word of God, and so I um, want to read two texts of Scripture. One is out of 1 Kings chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, and the second one is out of 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13. And I'm going to pass it off to uh, my brother over here, Graham, if you would go ahead and read for us out of God's Word this morning. 1 Kings chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. When David's time to die drew near, he commanded Solomon his son, saying, I am about to go the way of all the earth. Be strong and show yourself a man, and keep the charge of the Lord your God, walking in his ways and keeping his statutes, his commandments, his rules, and his testimonies, as is written in the law of Moses, that you may prosper in all that you do and wherever you turn that the Lord may establish his word that he spoke concerning me, saying, If your sons pay close attention to their way, to walk before me in faithfulness with all their heart and with all their soul, you shall not lack a man on the throne of Israel. And let's flip over to 1 Corinthians 16. 1 Corinthians 16, verse 13. Be watchful, stand firm in the faith, Act like men. Be strong. Church, this is the reading from God's Word. Amen. Well, let me pray real quick for us. You can go ahead and have a seat. Father, you think, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the privilege to be able to gather together. And uh, Father, now as we continue to worship, Lord, we want to pray that you would continue to be present with us, that you would continue to work in us, into our hearts and our, uh, and our minds, Lord, as we look at your Word. Uh, Father, we ask your spirit to be present, um, to, to guide us into truth, to lead us into truth, and to help our ears and our eyes be open to what you would have for us this morning. Uh, Father, help us to be submitted to your word. Uh, there's a lot in this world that is calling us to follow after it and the examples that are set and movies and TV and all kinds of things. Lord, we want to be a people of your word. We want to follow your example. We want to, set, we want to submit to your word in our lives. And where we find ourselves not submitted, help us to be aware by your spirit, open our eyes to it, that we might confess it and repent of it and turn. And so, Lord, be with us this morning. Uh, Father, speak through me this morning. I ask that you would just use this time uh, for the sake of your people, for the upbuilding of your people. Uh, Pray and ask these things in your name. Amen. Uh, So we read these texts of scriptures, and if you caught, there's kind of a common theme there. Um, One is David is looking to his son Solomon as he's on his deathbed, and he looks at him, and he tells him to act like a man. Um, And and the same thing in Paul, speaking to the people of Corinth, uh, is similarly saying like, hey, be strong, be be a man, act like a man, be be, uh, the man that I wanted you to be in essence, right? And and so you can clearly see kind of where we're going with this sermon topic and and kind of what this is is leading us to. And if you hear that idea of like, hey, be a man, act like a man, maybe you've grown up in the society and there's some things that come to your mind. Like uh, I I can think of times in my life where um, someone might have said to me like, hey, man up. And, And usually that comes with some kind of a connotation like, hey, stop crying, um, pick yourself up, get to work, um, you know, that kind of a thing. And so we have these ideas of what it is. Well, the question is, when we say, act like a man, be a man, do we really know what that means, right? Like, do we really understand what that looks like and what it means for us? Because here's what I do know for sure, the world doesn't know, 
Like the world is absolutely confused. They have no help in answering this question for us in regards to what it is to be faithful as a biblical man. Men are oftentimes in our society portrayed as barbaric, patriarchal, brutes. Toxic is a great term that people use now. A media researcher named Jim McNamara found that out of 2,000 mass media portrayals of men, which includes news and feature articles, all kinds of different things, 75% 75 of those portrayals are representations of men as villains, aggressors, perverts, and philanderers. And I didn't look at all of that study. My guess is that the last 25% would have probably portrayed men oftentimes as silly or buffoons, right? Like, like there's all kinds of confusion as to what we should be when it comes to being a man. There's efforts in our society to tell us that men should be passive. There's efforts in society that say, no, no, no. Uh, men, you should seek out some sort of ultra-masculinity, right? Like where you um, conquer the women around you and you do these types of things. And so there's confusion all over the place in regards to what it is to be a man, some would say if you take initiative as a man that that's a bad thing to do, and so they encourage them to stay home and play video games and stay out of the workforce. Let, let the gals step into that space, right? Others would say, no, that's not what you do. Like you, you wield your power, and you, you run forward, and you run hard, and whoever you've got to walk on to get to where you need to be, like that's what it is to be a man. Like, confusion. Is it any wonder why our young men growing up in our society have no idea what it is to be a man. It's confusing. The world doesn't know. But here's the thing. Confusion is not of the Lord. And, and so when he gives us a charge like this, and we see a charge like this in the Scripture, we know that he has some very real expectations of men. And so the goal here this morning is that I want everyone here to leave with a vision of what it is to be a biblical man, what that's supposed to be. A vision that every man in this room should strive for. A vision that every boy in this room should strive for. A vision that can give us life and lead us to abundance. Help us to live out our calling as image bearers in this world. The way he's made us to be. This is for everyone in the room. Boys, teens, young men, husbands, fathers, singles, retirees. You don't have to live confused. Gals, here in the room, what kind of a man, if you're single, should you be looking to, looking for? Mothers, what kind of a man should you be trying to raise up in your home? Grandmothers, what kind of men should you be praying that your grandsons would become? Uh, this, this message is important for everybody in this room, whether you're a male or you're a female. And gals, don't worry, next week it's your turn, all right? So, biblical womanhood next week. So, we get to that next week. But this week, we want to talk about that. And this is such an important thing because the truth of the matter is, Satan wants men to be confused. He wants them to be selfish. He wants them to lack godly purpose. He wants them to have no in initiative in their lives. He wants, them to have, uh, he wants them to be idle, to be paralyzed. He wants them to adopt an extreme, right? He wants him to either be that ultra-masculine, abusive, toxic type of man, or he wants him to be passive and weak where they step back and say, well, we don't want to be oppressors, and so we'll just let, um, we'll just sit in the basement and have no purpose in life 
and live in our parents' houses, right? Like it's, it's trying to confuse. It's trying to lead us to all kinds of things. Brothers and sisters, Satan is a liar. He does not want you to see the life that God has for you as a man in this world. Let me just tell you this. Being a man has nothing to do with what vocation you choose. It has nothing to do with athletics or muscles or conquests or hunting or wealth or suits or ties or man buns for the few of you that are brave enough to do that. It has nothing to do with that stuff. It has nothing to do with power. It has none of that. To be a true man is first and foremost to be faithful to a mandate, the mandate. You may ask, what is a mandate? What is that even something that we talk about? We don't use that word very often. Well, a mandate is an official order or a commission that is given from a position of authority to someone who's under that authority. Right? So, so someone above others gives a mandate to have that person follow. As we talked about last week, who is the one above all? God. He's holy. And he is the one that knows how to make us and has given us a commission to be the type of people that we are to be. He is our creator. He is unique. And he has given both men and women a mandate verbally as a commission, but also a mandate that is written and hardwired into our making into how we are made. And so when we talk of our mandate as men, it is more than just a verbal command. It's looking into the coding that we have, how we are made. It's communicated in how we're made. It's in our making. In the beginning, the Lord tells us that we're created in this way. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. So now this is both male and female, but, but uniquely is also, can, can, there's certain traits for men and certain traits for women. Many people just think that it's as simple as saying that, that we were made in his image, that just means that we're moral, that we have the ability to choose right and wrong, that we can see those types of things differently than, say, an animal can. And certainly that's part of it, but it's an extremely short-sighted understanding The reality of it is that books have been written on what the Hebrew meaning is for the reality that we have been made in the image of God. But in short, it simply means this. We have been made in the image of God to bear that image, to carry out into this world and and to rule as his image bears in justice and righteousness, in cultivating and creating into all of the earth. He is giving us unique authority, a delegated authority, to rule as he rules rightly. And both men and women are given unique qualities and characteristics that reflect God, that are hardwired into our creation. Now we're going to talk about some of these qualities, specifically how they relate to men in just a moment, but it's important that we see that these things are not accidents. They're made into us. And if we try to push against them, we won't be living in the way that God has made us to be. But our purpose is also something that is given to us. Our unique God-reflecting qualities are to be used very specifically. As he tells us in Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, God blessed them. And he said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, 
have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. We are to use the image-bearing qualities that he has given to us, first and foremost, to be fruitful. What does that mean? Have you thought about what it means to be fruitful? It's to be fruitful in everything you do to make, to build, to cultivate, to create, to develop, to be fruitful in those things, right? To be fruitful in your jobs, to be fruitful in your homes, to be fruitful in your relationships. We're also called to be to multiply. Does that mean having babies? Absolutely. But not just babies. We're to multiply in the sense of society, right? Babies are to come inside of a family and to be born into a family where society happens and culture happens. And the entire society is built upon that unit, that family unit. That's why Satan tries to destroy it so much. We're called to multiply and to build culture in terms of ethics and art and economics and civics and all kinds of aspects, we are to multiply. We are to subdue the earth, to go out into the world and harness all of the potential that is in this wonderful world that he's made for us, to harness all of it for the good of the community, for the good of the society, for good of other people, for the good of our families, for the good of the earth itself. We've been given dominion to rule with justice as his image bears over every living creature. Men, we are to leverage our unique qualities as he has made us to these ends as a means of glorifying God and serving those around us. Let me say that again. Men, we are to leverage our unique qualities, the ones we'll talk about here in just a moment, as he has made us to these ends as a means of glorifying God and serving those that are around us. This is what David had in mind when he told Solomon to be strong and to act like a man, to do these things. Problem is, sin has come into the world, hasn't it? And we talk about qualities that God has given to us. Sin distorts those qualities. He twists those qualities. He distorts our purpose. Sin distorts that purpose. And that's why in our world we see tyranny and abuse and brokenness and broken homes and hurt and betrayal and murder and envy and strife and hatred and perversion and injustice and on and on the list could go, right? Right? It's because it's twisted and distorted. Some of the very things that God has made us to be, Satan has taken and twisted them to use to bring pain and hurt and suffering. For us, as men then, redeemed and called by Jesus, we need to understand that part of the redeeming work that he is doing is to bring us back to how he intended us to be. And that is done by conforming into his image. Not conforming to the world. That's what the world would want for you. But to conform into the image of Jesus. Listen, hear me, men. Hear me, ladies. There is no image of a true man, a biblical man, in media, in the news, in TV, in your boss, or in your father. 
Looking to worldly examples for what it is to be a man is like going into one of those house of mirrors in the carnival. I don't know if you've ever been to one of those where every time you turn around, you look into another mirror and you see a distorted reflection, right? There's certain aspects that are reflected right, but then it's distorted. You're super tall, you're super wide, your face looks weird. Like, like every single image we look to in society is like looking in one of those mirrors, And if you look at one, you say, well, I don't want to be that one, so I'm going to look at this one. You're just looking at a different distortion. You're just looking at a different, bizarre appearance of what a man is supposed to be. Jesus, though, is the standard. He is not the distortion. Now, don't hear me wrong. There are men who are seeking to conform to Jesus that are worthy of imitating but the only thing that is worthy of imitating in them is the stuff that looks like Jesus. You hear what I'm saying? So, so it's still Jesus. We're still looking to Jesus. So here is the meat of where I want to go today. What is a biblical man? What are those qualities that we are to carry as men and that he has given to us to reflect his image well into this world? Well, Start with the reality of the biblical man. A true man is strong. This is literally the call in both 1 Kings and in Corinthians. Be strong. Act like a man. But he goes on to tell us what that looks like in 1 Kings. Keep the charge of the Lord your God, walking in his ways and keeping his statutes, his commandments, his rules, and his testimonies. As it is written in the law of Moses, that you may prosper in all that you do, and wherever you turn. Strong, and being strong, first and foremost, is to walk in obedience and service to the Lord. That's why we were made strong. Jesus had a strength of will, didn't he? He had an amazing strength of will to do the will of the Father. That is something to admire. Young men, Men in this room, if you want to act like a man, set your face like flint, both internally and externally, to walk in the ways of God no matter the cost. To walk in the ways of God no matter the cost. To stand against all opposition to his ways regardless of the cost to yourself. Have strength of character. Have strength of integrity. Be men that are worthy of looking up to. Not, not the way you want to be, but the way Jesus has set the standard. We also know this. I know this is going to be hard for some of us to accept, but men are also, also made more physically strong than women. I know that's a surprise. Truth of the matter is, as much as the world would try to push against this reality, right? Like 99.9% of men are stronger than 99.9% of women. Why did God make us that way? Why did God create us to be that way? Is it so that we could um, value guys that can bench 350 pounds or squat 600 pounds, which is, by the way, never been me, clearly? Is that what we're made to look at? We're looking at physical strength just to value physical strength? No. God gave us physical strength to do what? To create, to work hard, to build, to protect Who do we look up to? Do you look up to the guy on the TV screen that spends hours on end in the gym? 
eating protein so that he's ripped, has washboard abs? Like, is that the guy we want to be? Or do we want to be the guy who wakes up in the morning? Well, some of you are like, well, yeah, I kind of do want to be that guy. Like, I saw some of y'all smiling, kind of like, yeah, I do. Okay, maybe a little bit. But who do we really want to be? Do we want to be like that guy? Or do we want to be like the guy who wakes up in the morning and puts his hand to the plow? And he works hard every single day for the good of his home and for the good of his community, for the good of his church. Like he uses his strength to build, to create, to make. Like is that the kind of men that we want to look up to? Like those, that's why God has made us physically strong so that we could build and make and create and protect not just women or kids, but anybody who is underneath the heavy hand of injustice or tyranny. God has made us that way because it's a representation of his desire to use his strength to protect the weak. That's who he is, and that's how he's made us. Why do we run away from that? Now, there's no shame in that. It's not something to, to point to and say, look how awesome I am. See, here's the thing. Our physical strength, it's not given to us to play games And it's not given to us for vanity. It's given to us for the good of those around us. To use for the good of those around us. Women, you should be looking for a strong man to marry. You should be praying for your husband to be a strong man, regardless of whether he can curl 50 pounds or 10, to be strong. But this also requires that we're also selfless. Men, Jesus had more power and more strength, more authority than any of us. And how did he use that? For the good of others. The culture would say that a good man is one who creates his own kingdom, who fills his bank account, who figures out the system, who can, who, who can beat the game of life. Or sometimes our culture in truth has said, well, you need to step aside and let others come into place. But Solomon, he did not shy away from his strength. He used it so that his entire kingdom would flourish. A biblical man uses his power and his authority and his strength for the good of others so that his family can flourish, so that his employees can flourish, so that others can have life, so that his wife and his kids can flourish. Authority and power, they're weighty things. They're weighty things. Because it's not to be wielded wielded for selfish gain or for pleasure, but for others' good. Jesus died so that you might have life. He didn't have to. He used his power and he set it aside and died. Men, this is how he's made us, to be selfless. He's made us to be those who would run into difficulty, run into danger, run into areas of challenge in the world and our lives for the sake of good and the good of others. We are to be selfless with our wives, selfless with our kids, selfless with the people in the church, selfless men. That's what Jesus has called us to be. Strong, selfless, but also compassionate. Men, Emotions don't make you weak. Emotions don't make you weak. The ability to empathize 
And to feel does not make you be a guy who turns in his man card. Young men, when you cry and someone tells you to man up, they're telling you to be something that Jesus wasn't. Jesus wept. A strong, secure, selfless man can see the pain of others and he can have compassion upon them and be tender with them. When we sin against other people and we cause pain and we cause hurt, it should break our hearts and we should be driven to repent. Jesus never sinned, but he cried nevertheless. When he saw the effects of sin, like when his friend Lazarus died, like he wept. When he looked over to people of Israel and they were in darkness and they were following all kinds of things they shouldn't have been, like he had compassion over them and he wept. When he saw the lame and the blind and the sick, he had compassion on them and he reached out to heal When the woman in adultery and her sin was brought to him and they were about to stone her in compassion, he stood up for her and told her, go and sin no more. Jesus was compassionate. It's emotion. When he saw the poor, he cared about their plight. Man, how could we be so hard and uncompassionate? To be compassionate, to express emotion, is part of what God has made us to be, but that compassion should then also lead us to be courageous men. It was Jesus' compassion that drove him to make war against sin. I'm going to say it again. It was Jesus' compassion that has drove him to make war against sin and death. He courageously went to the cross. Courage, it's not the absence of fear. It's not even the absence of the desire to avoid a situation because Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane prayed like, Lord, let this cup pass from me. If it's at all possible, let this cup pass. Courage is experiencing those things and walking into it anyway. Understanding that God is going to be right there with you. Courage is there. You may experience fear. You may experience a desire to not want to do that, but you step into the danger necessary to help deal with the injustices, to fix the problems, to find the solutions, to bring the gospel, to help bring good to other people. Courage is facing challenges knowing that God is with you. It may, be, it may mean being courageous to say no to your friends who are asking you to do something you know is wrong. Maybe it's courage to take a step into into a missions trip or courage to take a new job or to leave a job that's calling you to do things that you didn't want to do. Maybe it's the courage to be the only kid in your class that cares for the one that everybody else is making fun of. Courage is to step out and do what's right with compassion and trust that God is there And man, was Jesus courageous. I cannot imagine knowing what was about to happen to him. And he said, I'll do it anyway. Next, men are to be self-controlled. There is nothing manly about losing control. Jesus could have called for angels at any point during his Passion Week. 
As they were driving nails through his hands and his feet, he could have called for angels to, to come down to save him. When the Roman soldiers were making fun of them, he could have called the angels to, to come and smite them, but instead he forgave them. Even in the moments of his righteous anger, like when he went into the temple and he turned the tables over, it was controlled and measured and intentional. He was controlled in his flesh. Jesus never gave way to temptation. He was controlled in the desires of the flesh. He never sinned. Men, we are to aspire to be men of self-control. To be self-controlled with your kids, self-controlled with your wives, self-controlled in your businesses, self-controlled in the dark places, self-controlled with your thoughts, self-controlled with your words. To be self-controlled. This isn't always easy, is it? And we always have lots of reasons why we aren't self-controlled. I remember one time um, several years ago, um, I was having kind of a rough day, and I went into my house uh, to, I was out in the yard doing some work, and I went into the house to have lunch. And they'd already kind of the kids and Karen had started to have lunch. And I, I went to grab a ketchup bottle, and it was one of those ones, you know, that you, you, you have the like, top at the bottom, and so you have to squirt the ketchup down. And so I grabbed it, and I went to flick it so all the ketchup would come down to the bottom, and somebody shall remain nameless, <laughs> left the lid unscrewed. And so when I flicked it down, like ketchup hit the ground with such a force. It was everywhere. They still remember the loss of their dad's control. Like I lost it. And I got on him, like Sam's smiling right now because she remembers that morning. It's etched into her brain. <laughs> like I lost control. And you know what? Even in that moment, it's an opportunity for us to say and go back to our kids and say, you know what? I'm sorry. I lost control. I want to be a man of self-control. We should want to be men of self-control, never losing it. There is nothing to value in the loss of control. Next, we're to be meek. We tend to not see that as a positive thing. And yet we know that Jesus is defined as meek. Let me be clear about what meek is. Meek is not weak. Meek is having power under control. It's having a sword that people fear, but knowing when to wield it. Jesus did not lack power. But he used it with wisdom, and he, and he used it with care. He never wielded it around so that everybody knew how powerful he was. There's this text in the scripture that we miss a lot that I think is so fascinating. As Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane, and, and the high priest send the soldiers to get him, to bring him in front of the high priest at night. You know, remember the disciples are there, and you may remember the story. It's the moment where Peter whips out his sword and cuts off the ear of the high priest's servants. And so this is the image, this is the moment and this is what happens, and this is out of John 18. Jesus, knowing all that would happen to him, which again, crazy, that he knows what he's about to see, he came forward and he said to them, the ones that were coming to grab him, whom do you seek? And they answered, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus said to them, I am he. Judas, who betrayed him, was standing with him. And catch this, when Jesus said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. That's power. 
Like here they are, armed to the teeth, ready to bind him up and take him to the cross or take him to his trial. And he just says, I'm he. And it's like something bowls them over. He could literally make them stop existing with his words. That's the power of Jesus. And yet he controlled that power and he kept that sword in the sheath because he knew where he was headed and he knew what he needed to accomplish for the Lord. Men are to be powerful. You are to wield that sword. You are to hold those things, but you are to be meek with that power. Never wielding it over others. Never lording it over them. We're to be meek. Just a few more quickly. We're also to be builders and overseers. You're not to be consumers. We're not built to rot away in our basements or in front of our TV screens being entertained. This is the crazy thing that happens. We think that we're going to find life there, but when we spend our time there, what we end up finding is depression and anxiety and boredom and fidgeting and uncontrolled. Like we don't know what to do with ourselves. Boys are meant to be builders and overseers. Uh, like that's what they're created to be. Like, listen, if you have a kid and they're in that space of depression and anxiety, go make them do something. You know what's amazing when you do is that they take a sense of pride in the creation. They take a sense of pride in the completion of a job well done, work well done. They may not want to do it, but at the end of the day, they're going to be like, look what I did. Because it's built into them to not be consumers, but to be builders and overseers, to be servant leaders. And so many people, they, so many men lack initiative because they don't know what to do. But here's the thing. What to do doesn't matter as much as that you do it for the glory of the Lord. Entertainment promises fulfillment. That's a lie. We were made to subdue the world and creation. We were really to make and oversee. That is fulfilling. Men should go to bed tired. And let me be clear about something too. Men, when you hear this, if you think your job is to build and oversee and create outside the home so that when you come inside the home, you can just kind of lay back and relax, that is a lie of the enemy. You are to work every moment of the day to go to bed tired. That's the deal. I'm not saying you don't ever enjoy rest, you don't ever enjoy things, but, but there is no distinction between secular and the sacred of the home. We're to be involved in both, engaged in both, Working in both. Building and partnering with those around us in both. Men. We should go to bed tired. There's some days. I went to bed at 8.30 one day this week. Yes, my kids make fun of me for that because I'm old. But I was tired. We should be tired because we've used the gifting that God has given to us to work. Finally, men should be humble. I genuinely believe that the most courageous thing that a man can do, the strongest thing that a man can do is be a man who recognizes and communicates his dependence upon the creator and the sustainer. A man can have the strength to say, search me and try me, Lord. See if there's any wicked way in me. And then confess it 
and repent of their sin. The biblical vision for manhood, it's very different from the one that is given to us in our culture. It's vastly different than what is often celebrated in our world, but it's truly what we've been made for. It requires us to be honorable men in our personal lives, in our work lives, in our home lives, and in the quiet recesses of your mind, men. In your relationships, in schools, in your work, as doctors, chefs, engineers, construction workers, whatever. It doesn't make any difference what you do, it's that you do it as a strong, selfless, compassionate, courageous, self-controlled, meek builder who is humble and trusts in the work of Jesus Christ. To hold anything less than this vision for your life is selling yourself and those around you short. And what you're going to find, what you're going to find is that you're going to spend most of your time just trying to deal with the damage created by not living according to this vision. But here's the deal. You can't be this kind of man apart from Jesus. You can't. He's the only good man. He not only gives us the example of what it means, but praise God, he covers all of our failures with his own life and his own blood. And he gives us his spirit to help us be what we cannot be on our own and to bring healing and restoration even in the areas of failures and in the wounds that we have caused and that others have caused to us because of sin. He came and he died to lead us to life, to lead you to life. And I'm so thankful. I get to celebrate today is 19 years of marriage with my wife. Oh, to count the ways. Yeah. I don't know if you're clapping for what I was about to say, which is oh, to count the ways of how many times I failed. Because you could clap for that, right? Like, like how many times I have not lived up to this. How many times I failed in this. But Jesus' blood is sufficient, and he's still making me into his image today. Like he's still working on me. And I'm guessing when I'm 90, Lord willing, I get that many years, like I'm still going to be made into his image more. And I'm still going to have to wake up in the morning, and I'm going to still have to rely upon his grace, rely upon his mercy, and abide in his love but I want to be a man like Jesus was. I want my son to be a man like Jesus was. This is who we're called to be. And I'm so grateful that he's not only given us the example of it, but he's given us the ability to actually live it out through his spirit and tremendous grace and mercy when we fail. So, here's how we're going to close this morning. We're going to close with a time of worship. And as we worship and here in just a moment, and Ryan and the team, they're going to come back out and they're going to lead us in a song. I want to make sure that we've got people available to respond because here's the thing. We can feel the weight of what it is to be a man. And that's a good thing, by the way, to feel that weight. But not to a point that leads us to be crushed and perplexed and anxious and depressed, but a weight that leads us to Jesus. Jesus, help me today to be these things. Help me to be the man you want me to be. Help me to be faithful to repent. 
And maybe this morning like, you need to just pray with someone. You need to talk to somebody because you feel like, man, I, I, I'm discouraged because I've not been this kind of a man. And, and we want to help encourage you. I um, want to point you to a men's gathering we've got that's um, in, in April that you will be mindful of, uh, that you're going to have an opportunity to see some guys that have tried to walk this out. And so guys, be mindful of that. That's on April 6th, I believe, from 8 to 11 in the morning. Like, kind of pay attention. That's not a great opportunity to be together. We want to pray for you. We want to get you around other guys that can help you live out this vision. But we would be remiss to also not provide this opportunity for any in this room who has not trusted in Jesus Christ, who, who was all of these things for us. He was strong to the point that he was able to keep himself on the cross when he had the power to come off the cross. He was selfless and allowed himself, his life to be laid down for you. He sees your wounds, he sees your hurts, and he's compassionate. But he's also courageous. He stepped into this world. He stepped towards the cross that you might have life. Self-controlled. He has so many reasons to be angry with us, and yet he gives us his love. He wants to make us and complete us. And here's the thing, like, if you haven't given yourselves into the hand of this good man, this is an opportunity to do so. To look to him to make you who you want to be. Because you can't do it on your own. And I'm guessing you've seen a lot of really bad examples in your life. And you can try and you can strive to be selfless and all these different things and you'll find yourself failing over and over and over again which is why Jesus says to you come to me all of you who are weary and heavy laden and find rest that's his offer the best man died for you and so I'd invite you this morning like if you haven't put your faith in Jesus if you haven't put your trust in him this morning, come, let, let us talk to you. We'd love to introduce him to you. We'd love to uh, like help lead you to him. We can't save you, but he can. And he can heal that which is most broken in you. And he can restore that which is most broken in you. So as we sing, we'll have prayer counselors, elders, pastors up at the front ready to talk with you, invite you to come up. They'll stay there all the way through the end of the service. They'll be talk with you if you want to talk afterwards as well. But I invite you to come. Would you pray with me? Lord, I thank you for your goodness. I, I thank you that when David looked to Solomon and told him to be strong and act like a man, when Paul told us to act like men, to stand like it wasn't just a shot in the dark we, we, we have an example set before us of what that looks like and it's not about whether we do it in, in the hospital or whether we do it in the home it's about being men who look like Jesus in every area of our life every sphere government art teaching every sphere to be like you 
to know that you've made us in unique ways. And Lord, I know that so many people in this room have been wounded by the distortions of men living out false visions, false narratives. Father, I pray for their healing. But I pray that they'd be able to look to you and see that those were all like those those mirrors. They, They were distorted views, but you are beautiful and you are good and you are worthy of imitating. So pray, Father, that you'd heal. I pray, Father, for those that are in this room that are trying to live this out, but they fail day after day after day. Lord, would you encourage them? Lord, help them to continue to strive and continue to press forward, continue to run the race. Father, I pray for those that have never stepped into this. They've never known what it is. Lord, that today they would have a vision for what it is to be a man. Lord, you would give them what they need to be conformed into the image of your son. Father, we thank you for your son. He's our hope. He's our salvation. He's our God. He's our king. He's our Lord. He's our friend. He's our brother. And he's our example. May we follow him. And may we see raised up within the church a mighty army of godly men to go into this world and carry out the mandate that you've given them. Pray and ask these things in your